When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. and Jamie are two best friends and they love sex and the city and they couldn't help but wonder do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Emotions, Cheese, Dudes, so many Every Little Dudes, All the Dudes and we couldn't help but wonder with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But, but wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Okay. Hi, Jamal. Hey. Hi, Rosalita. How are you? I'm good. It was a bit of an intense couple of days. I would say okay. I am a classic Charlotte. Okay. Um, Let's hear I it. Went yeah, you know, now that the COVID surge has plateaued, it's not like COVID is gone, but it's not sure. as crazy as it was in L.A. I decided to do just a bunch of like sort of maintenance things that I had put off during like major COVID times. Like what? So I just went to the gyno to get like my normal annual checkup. Yeah. And she, and I had told her, I was like, you know, I'll be 38 this year. I got my eggs frozen, but I only got three eggs. And she's like, well, we can do a blood test that kind of tells you kind of how fertile you are. Cause I was mm. saying I would like to do another round of egg freezing, but last year was so physically tough. There was just no way I could have done it on top of everything else. Sure. Um, and she's like, well, there's a blood test you can take. That'll kind of tell you like where you're at with your fertility, which will kind of mm. let you know, like, Oh, I could wait a little while to get my eggs frozen again. Or like, oh, I need shit, to I gotta take now. this blood test. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I was like, I'm here. I might as well take the blood test. And then she called me a couple of days ago and she would just explain. And she's like, yeah, it's like zero to five. Five is like the most fertile, most amount of eggs. Zero is the least. Um, she's like, you were 0.55, Whoa. which is not good. Um, Whoa. I guess at my age, the average is like 2.55. Yeah. And she was like, you know, I, don't know I, I said, yeah, like, I know that. <laughs> No, I just no, kind of, you're just yes, listening. Yes, I, I understand. Yes. Y yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, she was like, I've worked with women who have gotten pregnant at like 0 0.65, 0 0.55. You know, she's like, I think if you want to, like, have the option of having the possibility of your own kids, I would definitely freeze your eggs sooner than later. Like, it's just not something I can really wait on. Yeah. And I just, like, had a lot of emotions i cried a lot and mm. yeah it's just intense to just you know think that like 
my fertility is like out of my hands. And, you know, I know we talked a lot about baby stuff the last couple episodes and it's just kind of intense to think that like the decision may be made for me, like by my own body. Well, and it's also that thing. I don't know if you have this. I've thought about this a lot where it's like you feel young, you feel like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like when you hear about your fertility, you're like, is that the same person? Like, like, I feel like I'm like alive and kicking and like, (laughs) it's just such a weird thing when you're like, oh, this actually has nothing to do with anything else about me. It's like, it's very, it feels very separate somehow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's something I have no control over. None at all. Right. Like, right, right. That's that. I could also spend another bunch of money and have a really intense two weeks and get a really small amount of eggs again. Like, yeah. So oh, it makes me emotional. It's so, yeah, it's so much. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's just like, you know, it's kind of like you just assume that things will just, if you want a baby, you just have one. I know, you know what I mean? I know. And I think the reality is it's, for me. And, you know, I think about all my friends who are queer and people who also don't have like, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have just this easy, like you just have sex and make a baby. Like it's, it's common right. that you have to be, you know, it's like Charlotte in the show. It's like, you have to be creative and poss- not you have to, but like, if it won't be easy, you know, it's just really hard. I think like, not and I know rationally that there's like nothing ah it's it's I'm just gonna be emotional about it but like I know that there's like rationally like nothing I've done wrong but there is something that feels a little bit like like a failure of like well if I had met someone earlier or like had a baby in my early 30s or if I had like figured this out sooner Mm. you know there's like a way to be self-critical about it you know what I mean like of course I know what you mean, but also, you know, I do think that, look, I feel like, you know, statistics are statistics and we prove them wrong every day. So there's yeah. that, like, who knows? And then yeah. also, you know, if you want to be a mom, you will be a mom. Like maybe they won't be yours biologically, but like, yeah. you'll get there. No, totally. And it's like, you know, she's not saying you won't be able to have kids. She's saying like, get your eggs frozen now. So yeah. Yeah. I will yeah. get on that. And I'm also trying to keep my expectations really low for the egg freezing because I know because I only got three eggs the first time. That's really low. I mean, it was really hard. I talked to a friend the other night who listens to this podcast, who I love very much. Hmm. And she got 30 eggs. And it's like, I have a Hmm. lot of friends who got a lot of eggs. It's like, I know you shouldn't compare, but it's hard. It's not like I'm right. The only one I know who got so little, you know? Mm. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah, that's really hard. Yeah, it's also just like anything hard is like 10 times harder in the pandemic. Oh, of course. Because you're like, oh, I'm like, like, like the other. I think this happened yesterday where she called me and then I like had vague plans with a friend who was like, you know, oh, do you want to hang out? And she wasn't able to hang out until six. And I don't really know what you can do at 6 p.m. because all my hangouts are like at the park or on a walk. And I was like, should we go to a restaurant? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm cool with it. And then she made a reservation. And I just got this pit in my stomach where I was like, what if I got COVID from just going to this stupid restaurant? And I just told her I can't go. And 
no judgment to people that go to restaurants. People I know, I have friends that do that and friends that don't. But I just was like, God, I would love to just be comforted by a friend and have a glass of wine and be with a friend. But I just feel like after everything I've gone through, I just am not willing to maybe get COVID for that. And it's just like, just a hard time to go through anything hard because you can't just like, yeah, well, you can't just have normal, right. You can't have like normal social interactions that make you, make you feel better in the short term. Exactly. So I'm just kind of in like a, like a mild grief. It's not like I'll, it's not like anything is set in stone or that I definitely can't have biological kids. It's just my fertility is not great. And it's just like an intense, it's just an intense, like it brings up a lot of feelings around like aging and like being a late bloomer or you know what I mean? Right. And also like what is being a late bloomer? I mean, so many women are in this position of being like, I want to sort of like have my ducks in a row in a very specific way before I bring a child into this world, which is to me, not the sign of a late bloomer, but the side of this. Sorry, I can't talk. So that's not the sign of a late bloomer, but the sign of someone who's thinking clearly and really trying to plan. And so I think that that compounds, at least for me, that compounds a lot of the stress when I think about fertility, because I'm like, I don't feel like I'm behind in having a baby later. I just feel like that's when it would slot into my life where I would be like the best possible mother. And for some women, it's fine. There are plenty of women who have kids in their forties. It really just depends on your particular genetics. And like my mom happened to have menopause in her early forties. So it's like, I may just come from a stock where it's just like, I mean, my mom had us when she was 26 and 28, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows what, how fertile she was at the end of her thirties. So yeah, fertility is just really real. It's just a really real thing. And it's just, you know, forcing me to come to grips with a reality that is not like what I thought, you know, I just didn't kind of like, it feels a little bit like life is slipping out in my hands a little, like I'm not catching it quick enough or something. Yeah. It's just, I know, you know, it's just a lot to think about. And, um, well, there's like an existential part to it too, like underneath all of it. Where it's just like, oh, like, you know, like there is like a I'm getting older. Of time. Yeah. And just kind of like I think it does anything that brings up aging, I think, brings up this idea for me of like. Am I accomplishing enough? Am I doing enough? Is my life like important enough? You know, it's like that type of stuff. Yeah, it just makes I you do. think about your own legacy and whatever that even means. Right. And then there's also sort of like the embedded like socialized, you know, the the sort of like how we're conditioned to believe that like, even if we don't think about it consciously all the time, like, you know, at one point, like women were literally just like around to make babies. And that was like our function in society was just to like, give people children. So there's also that kind of running underneath it all, like, even if we're not thinking in those terms now, like failure of womanhood or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think self-worth gets tied into it again, not totally. consciously. Absolutely. And also me like being well. dating right now and being like, Oh my God, someone could date me who wants to have kids. And I might not even be able to like, it definitely brings up that like, Oh, I'm like getting towards middle age. <laughs> like, you know, it's just real shit. It's just, yeah. it's just stuff like that. So I feel okay. I had an emotional day yesterday and yeah. 
you know, it's fun. It was really sweet, actually, because one of the friends I called listens to this podcast and she said, do you want comfort or solutions? Oh, I love that. And it was really sweet. And I said comfort and she was really comforting. And there are people that I'm very close to who I did not call because I know that it would have just been like a solutions lollapalooza. Yeah, solutions. Some of my best friends are like solutions for life, you know? They're opening spreadsheets the moment you get on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it it is? It's just kind of like, it's funny because I had talked to my sister like a day before Mm. and she's about to have her second kid. And like, I was kind of just talking to her a little bit about like ambivalence about having kids and just how things are shifting. And then I got this call and got like really upset. And Mm. I just knew that if I had called her, she would have been like, well, just the other day you were telling me that like, you might not even... And it's like, I just didn't need to be like fact checked about my feelings. Right. Like reminded. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, Who were you this week, James? Uh, Who was I? Who was I? Oh, God. What has happened this week? I don't even know. I feel like my head is spinning a little bit. Um, I guess I, I feel like Carrie, I guess, because... You know, she's always on deadline, especially, um, you know, when she's like working at. Is that how we had that episode yet? Was that this episode Um, where she's like working? She's on a deadline and she's working at his apartment. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Yeah, I. Yeah, I just feel like I've I've been trying to. I think since I've come to New York, I've kind of been in vacation mode a little bit like I probably talked about this, but just kind of like a lot of walking around and then like the weather got nice. So I'm like trying to sort of be outside a little more. Um, and I just have a lot of work that needs to get done. And I finally felt like this week I've been like very deadline oriented, which has been nice. Like I feel like I'm getting things off of my plate. Um, so that's been good, but also, yeah, I guess I feel a little bit like, Ooh, I'm trying to think, I guess, maybe Carrie and Miranda when they sort of butt heads because I had a work thing come up where, um, I, and Skylar was on the phone for this, but I had a work thing come up where I was essentially kind of like confronted on not doing a project quick enough or them like questioning, um, if I was actually interested because they feel like when I'm, delivering things to them it usually takes like a week or two and i think they want things quicker and is this for a script this is for a pitch okay um yeah and are they trying do they are they trying to pitch it in july or something is that the goal there isn't a specific time i think that they to be so deadline oriented for this yeah i i yes um and skylar can chime in it's not even like i i think that the truth is Um, it's been a really sort of grueling notes process and it's hard for me to maintain the same level of enthusiasm. Are you being noted to death? Yeah, a little bit and and very vague notes, right? Skylar, wouldn't you say like, that's one of the biggest problems, like not to, not to give too much detail, but like there is a, a feeling that Jamie's doing a lot of heavy lifting relative to a lot of the other people involved. And then is there existing that, IP? Is this, is this an adaptation? Not existing. Uh, it's an, it's, it's based on a true story, but it's okay. not like a written, it's not a written true story. Okay. But then, yeah. So to have Jamie ha- do a lot of heavy lifting and then to have them like yell at her is Ooh. like a very strange, it, it was odd. It was not a fun phone call. It was horrible. It was also, yeah. Skylar doesn't even know this, but uh, yeah, this was exclusive. Um, 
But yeah, there was also like a follow up call about that call where I was told that like everybody on that call had a separate call without me before that call to like. Oh, wow. That feels really gang up on. I know. And I was just like, honestly, and also like I can say this with confidence. Do you have a contract for this or is this something you could bail? There's no attachment agreement. This is me like purely helping. Why are you doing it? There's been no paperwork. Um, it's for it's it's for a friend who asked for me to come in on it. And at the time I was like, okay. I was very clear. I was like, I'm you know, my schedule's busy, but I like can help in any way I can. And I felt like that was understood. Were you doing it because you liked it and you were like, I want to write this? Like, were you like, oh, I love this story? Yeah. And also, like, it's a personal story, which I find really interesting. So I was like, I think we could make something really cool here. But I was very, very candid about my availability. I was like. You know, I have a couple of other things like I also have to take jobs that pay because, you know, of course, I I have to make a living. And I don't think that my schedule makes sense to this person because they they come from not a writing background. So they don't really necessarily know that like writers take on multiple projects. We have several balls in the air like we kind of have to operate that way, because if one project doesn't move forward, then, well, you put all your eggs in that basket and you, yeah, you don't have any eggs. Like, what do you do? So um, anyways, point is, it just felt really icky. And I also feel guilty because I don't want this person to think that I don't care. It's just that my plate is this full. This isn't about caring. This is business. It's business. And it's also like, I don't want to be punished for being busy. I, I don't. That to me also, is like. they're not paying you. You'll turn it in when you turn it in. Like, what? Yeah. And I feel like there was also this lack of ownership from their side as well, from the producer side, where like, they're not, they're not acknowledging that this is a team effort and everybody has like just because I'm the writer, it doesn't mean I'm the only voice in this. We have the voice of the person whose story we're telling. We have their ideas. Like it's I'm the person who will execute it, but I'm also having to take on the job not just of creatively fulfilling this show and making it sound good, but also making sure that everyone feels heard and like their stamp is on it as well. And their stamp naturally is not the same as my stamp. I don't necessarily agree with their stamp. But because it's a team, you have to find a way to, like, get everyone's voice in there. And that takes longer. It just does. If it were me, if it was a a singular POV, I can execute that in a few hours. I also feel like regardless of that. You'll get to it when you get to it. I well, just that's how I feel. I and then I was kind of I think that's the weird part is like I, I definitely agree with that. I also just think that like the way the treatment from the other end is like so stressful that like it, it's the sort of thing that like also makes you want to not work Do on it, it as hard. <laughs> you yeah, don't want to work on it as hard because you don't feel no, it's true. It's, it's making like, me. It's yeah, like they're, ta- they're being aggressive. It it's doesn't... taking the fun out of it. If it's yeah. not no, paid I, and there's I, no contract, I think you should really think hard about it. Well, I've thought about extricating myself from the situation and and just being like, I I don't think I'm your girl. Like I don't think yeah, I'm giving you what like you it. need. Um, which I do feel, and not even in a like sad way. I just am like, if I'm not your girl, I have high enough self self esteem and like confidence in what I do. 
to accept the fact that maybe I'm not right for this project. Like, sounds like that's it the just case. sounds like it's unpleasant. It's like if you're not even it's immediately horrible. getting paid for it and it's just a pitch and it's not a fun process, like why? And they're having well, like like she's not doing her work calls without you. It's like, oof. Okay, goodbye. Drama. I yeah. mean, I think what happened was again, I don't think she understands that and I, which is interesting because I've been I thought I was really clear about my schedule. I thought it was really clear about like every time she's like, when will this get done? I always go, let me look at my calendar so I can give you a realistic timeline. I always say that. And it's usually no more than two weeks, you know, which is not that much time when you're dealing with other projects. But she sees it as so she said to me, she was like, but I've been with you when you've worked on this and you churn stuff out so quick. So, like, why can't you just find three hours and do it? And I'm like, right, but I, I can't because I have other jobs that that are coming first. And then she's like, but why are you taking on other jobs when you could be working because on this? And I'm like, fucking because this pitch is not like my like labor of love. Yeah. And also those other jobs are jobs like this one currently is not paying me anything. Yeah. Right. And this person also has way more money. So they're coming from a place of like they don't have to work. And it's like, right. But I do like I can't help that. So it's just very frustrating to have to, like, explain yourself. I think you should just think about if you actually want to do this. And take blame. Yeah, I was also going to say this before we get into the episode, the last thing is that, like, with Ted Lasso, one of the things that's so special about that job is that my boss, Bill Lawrence, is such a good leader. And he has he's so good with morale and making sure that everyone is, like, treating each other well and there's no backbiting. And as a result, everyone's really motivated to make that show good because there's the trust there. So when you go the opposite way and you fuck with the morale and you make the morale really low, no one wants to work. People do their worst work that way. No one wants to work on it because they're just there's no trust. So I'm in a place where I'm like, I don't think that I'm right for you. Like, it just doesn't sound like it's a good job for you. It just doesn't sound fun. I think it might not be a good job for me. I don't think it is. I think just just bow out just and you you can just say I'm working on other things. I don't have time for this. And then they can go harass someone else. Yeah, I know. There's a little bit of that that old joke, like uh, morale, will, uh, the beatings will stop when morale improves to it. Oh, God, it's very much how I feel. Yeah. I think you should just move forward. Goodbye. Thank you. Next, as Ariana says. I know. But then it's like my friend. Yeah, but you can't do something shitty just because your friend and also your friend isn't being a friend because she's it doesn't matter about the friendship. You 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 haven't she didn't give you a million dollars and you walked out. There's no money here. It's fine. Also, what about her part of the bargain? Like be a friend and don't crawl up my ass and gang up on me with a bunch of people. It is full on crawling up my ass. Yeah, I don't. I think it's and fine. It Your friendship is fine. Work well, don't work with her. Yeah, Just keep it a good. friendship. Yeah, it might have to come to that. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, cool. Well, guys, uh... (laughs) we've talked about eggs. We've talked about work and friendship. Now it's time to talk about this show. Okay, so this is a Sex of the City podcast. Just a reminder. Um, Today we're talking about season six, episode 17. It's called The Cold War. Rose, take us into it. The episode kicks off with Carrie and Alexander at lunch, where they run into some of Alexander's art world buddies. They ask Alexander about his big upcoming show in Paris, and then they follow up to find out what Carrie does. When she says she's a writer, you know, they're these snobby intellectuals. They just assume she's a novelist or with the New York Times. Of course she isn't, but Alexander sticks up for her. He loves her column. Charlotte and Anthony, meanwhile, take Charlotte's new dog, Elizabeth Taylor, for a walk. Elizabeth is quite the hit. People keep stopping to ask about her, which kind of annoys Anthony. He would love a little of the attention she's getting. And Steve and Miranda get into the hang of life over in Brooklyn. She had to hobble from the subway in heels, and he hasn't gotten around to setting up their internet yet. But they're getting there. The mail finally shows up, so Marantha can unwind with a tabloid. Back in the city, Stanford and Marcus head to dinner. As they make their way through the crowded restaurant, they spot Smith Jared, who is sitting with a mysterious woman with black hair. It's actually just Samantha. She's wearing one of her fun wigs. Smith invites them to eat with them before a fan at the restaurant asks for a photo. Smith agrees, but he insists on having everyone in the shot. Carrie and Alexander hang out in bed. Carrie asks him about his show, but he isn't interested in discussing it. Work talk bores him. She'd still like something out of him, so she tries to leave, but he pulls her back. Charlotte, Samantha, and Miranda, meanwhile, meet up. Samantha, I don't know how to tell you this, but I was reading my tattletale, and there's a picture of Smith. Miranda, what in the world are you doing reading something like that? I love it. It's my thing. Let it go. Oh, Smith is always in that rag. Yeah, but this time, he's gay. Oh. Boys... Night out. Smith Jarrett cozies up to Broadway dancer Marcus Adant, an unidentified older gay gentleman. Mm, Poor Stanford. Smith is not gay. Of course not. Mm. So this makes you his beard? I'm a beard in a wig. (laughs) You're not upset? (laughs) Oh, please. After the big C, you don't sweat the small stuff. And besides, once the gay rumors start, it means you're really a star. Hello. Hi, sweetie. It's me. Carrie, where are you? Bad news. I don't think I'm going to make it. You can't come? Are you okay? No, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm just all the way downtown with the Russian, and it's very cold out. She's still downtown, and it's too cold. Well, you know, we haven't seen you in forever, and, and, oh, I have news. 
Elizabeth Taylor is going to be in a dog show. My Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, congratulations. And Miranda really wants to talk to you, and Smith is gay. What do you mean you're not coming? Smith is gay? Don't try to change the subject. I came all the way in from Brooklyn. Oh, who are you kidding? You'd use any excuse to come in the city. You owe me a trip to Brooklyn. Carrie. We're fine. Everything's fine. Smith is not gay. It's too cold to leave the house. You stay downtown with your hot man. Okay. You know what's interesting that I really love about the show, and part of it is when it was made? is that cell phones don't play any role in the show. People are never like staring at their phone. They're not sitting at a table yeah. and texting. When people are walking down the streets of New York, everybody's not like in their own world. So true. It, they're so yeah. present for each other, actually. And the cell phone scene is like, oh, this is the first time where they're like really engaged on the phone. Yeah. 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 Nobody's, yeah. nobody's on Instagram. It's not possible. Right. Yeah. I always. Yeah. I don't really know the point of this scene fully. Um, I think maybe it's to show like that they're losing their friend to this guy a little. Yeah, I guess so. Because of what what's to come. Maybe there's a little bit of like, oh, I guess I get it. It's because like she's starting to sort of fall harder into his world, but it's not necessarily reciprocated. Um, yeah. And Miranda's moved all the, moved to Brooklyn now. And like, not that that's so far away, but there is sort of the implication that like, People are entering their different orbits a little bit more so yes, than they used yes. to be. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, Even when I Big was say, in the... Yeah, go ahead, Jamie. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I will say, like, having gone through winter here and, um, you know, knowing, like, a downtown versus uptown, like, I do understand where Carrie's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> of just being like, it's so cozy here. I really don't want to go outside. I do love my friends, but, like, I just don't feel like being social. I get that. Yeah, it seems like um, the fact that Carrie's had so many boyfriends and that she was so obsessed with Big and even in her most obsessed with Big, Carrie still always showed up like the show is about the core four. So for her not to show up when they're all dealing with stuff like Miranda's living way further. Samantha's got cancer and she's still making it out. So it's it's kind of like. I think it's insinuating sort of what you had said earlier, Jamie, about like, this isn't the right relationship when you're sacrificing like really important parts of yourself just to like be around this guy the whole time. Yeah, I think I I think that's very true. I do think that like, yeah, yeah. I think, again, it's it's one thing if it's like you really are just like freezing and don't feel like going out. I mean, canceling on brunch super last minute feels just kind of weird. <laughs> like just like, why didn't you think about it sooner? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that if there are those relationships where like, you know, their, their world is just like, I don't know, especially cause he's like rich and has this fabulous apartment. It's like, everything is just kind of like easy when she's with him. And it feels like he doesn't really have any interest in like dipping into her world. Agree. More like yeah. his world is just clearly the better world on paper. So he's like, of course, you're just gonna, like hang in my apartment, like fuck in my apartment. Why would we go to yours? Why would we hang out with your friends? Like my like my life is just like very cush. And there's almost no contest in his eyes. And I think she agrees. 
Well, just the fact that his friends were kind of like making her feel belittled because she's just like a sex columnist as opposed to like an important novelist. It's kind of like it's kind of like his age and his status. It's like she's yeah, and he's kind of like girl. stuck in his ways. He's also like, yeah, he's like, I feel like he's just very like, I don't want to have kids like he, everything is just kind of on his terms. It's like, I want to hang out in my apartment. Like, obviously, you'll want to hang out in my apartment. It's like my lover's den. You know, yeah, it's almost like, like Harry's regressing into like a 20 something year old woman who like, yeah, gives up for her boyfriend. Like, oh, I'm not going to yes. see my friends. And I'm I'm going to yes. be embarrassed about my job that I'm great at. And yes, exactly. He is. That is so right. He, he is making her world feel inferior to his. Yeah. And she's friends. also taking that and on she's herself. buying it. Yes, no, yes. she's she's believing it. She really believes it. Like I do, th- you know, not consciously, but like it's clearly there. I think that's sort of like what has been the problem of this relationship from the beginning is, yes, it's totally cool to be attracted to somebody who's different than you or date somebody or be in a relationship with someone from a different world. But I do think there's a point where if like the differences, for example, when he played piano and it it made her feel super cringy and like his way of showing her affection was taking her to the Met. It's like to her, that's pretentious. And to him, that's just who he is. It's like they really don't have that much in common. And instead of just acknowledging that she's just trying to adapt to him and like be like okay well i'm not like this massive european intellectual but i guess i'll just pretend to be or try to be or you know right yeah, it's one of those things where it's like we, with a new partner or whatever you like you try their interests because like you want to be open like maybe it'll yes. expand your horizons but then there's also the element of you as a person that's just like i don't want I don't to go like to the shit. Met right yeah, now yeah totally. <laughs> it's like this yeah. isn't for me yeah yeah, I always think about that with like lo- like like jazz or if people are like, oh, I love yeah. to like see jazz music. I'm just like, that's fine, but I'll never come with you. No, I'll see you after, babe. Yeah, exactly. Come over when you're done. <laughs> and don't talk about it. <laughs> don't tell me and how your night was. Do okay. not give me the play by play. I will fully tune and you honestly, out. Honestly, you have to change because if you wear like jazz club clothes, <laughs> when you come over to my house, I will be reminded of the fact that you were at a jazz club. So if you could just do a quick. I'll smell the jazz you on you. <laughs> I'll smell the jazz all over you. Um, OK, well, getting back into it later, Carrie makes it back to her place for the first time in four days. When she gets in, she finds her answering machine full of voicemails from Big. But instead of returning them, she deletes them all, which she tells Miranda about at her place. But there is a hitch. Carrie and Alexander don't really have anything in common. Miranda says that's fine, but Carrie's not totally sure. She wants Miranda to meet him. Back at Alexander's, Carrie invites him to drinks with the core four. He agrees. So Carrie starts to head out, but he wants her to stay. Carrie needs to put in some work on her column. So they make a deal. She can write on his computer in exchange for an hour in bed. Samantha, meanwhile, gets a pedicure where she overhears quite the gossip. The gay rumors of Smith are picking up steam and even she is starting to get dragged into them. Samantha explains at Charlotte's dog show. Everyone's talking about me. In the blink of a tabloid, I went from Demi to Liza. At least people know who you are. Unidentified older gay gentleman. Marcus got three auditions off that picture. I got outed. Oh, poor Stanny. How can they just assume I'm gay? 
Okay. I've got 10 bucks on Lord Reginald the Fourth down there. Any takers? Oh, you are a good friend. All the way from Brooklyn to see a bunch of dogs run in a circle. She came to watch my baby get baptized. I came to watch her baby get judged. I almost didn't show my face. Fag hag. There go years and years of fucking everything that walks. I thought you weren't gonna sweat the small stuff. Look, I can't have cancer and be a fag hag. Hey, you guys wanna have drinks with the Russian tomorrow night? Sure. Oh, I'm in. Me too. Oh, sweetie, I'm sorry. It's just the girls this time. Oh, what am I now? Your unidentified older gay friend? You'll be in the next round, I promise. Okay, I gotta go backstage and check on the little mother. Well, oh. take your time. We've still got sporting and working and toy. Oh, my. Okay, Wait, first of all... Can't he, why can't Stanford come? So rude to literally invite everyone in a group and say, I'm sorry, not you, because you're a male. That's crazy. I mean, what the fuck? It's so How, rude. I mean, if, again, if this were today, I, if this were made today, I feel like that would be a whole subplot is like, how does that make him feel? Like, why can't he be part of this? It's just mean game. to exclude someone like that. It's basically well, like also saying, don't bring it up in front of him if you don't want him to come. It's like what saying the these are my best friends and you're like a second tier friend. Yeah. Yeah, they like, treat Stan they treat Stanford like shit. It's not like they're going to a restaurant that's gonna have a four person limit either. It's not there's no yeah, hard rule. This isn't the the man fucking could come. pandemic. Yeah. Come on. Like also the way she just like keeps dropping the F word, it's like Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. You mean Samantha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow, that it sounds so harsh when when you hear it in 2021. It's just like, geez. Oh, I know. It was such a term, too. Yeah, I know. People definitely used it. I think the softer term is fruit fly. Oh, Oh, I've never heard mm -hmm. that. I never heard that one. That one's like kind of sweet sounding, honestly. Fruit fly. Oh, that's kind of cute. It is. Love fruit. Love a fly. Yeah. Mixed on a fly, but we're a little mixed on the fly, but we do love fruit. Just want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> want to get that out show. there <laughs> it is a funny clever twist on the part of the writers that samantha who is like so aggressively straight and such a yes. sexual object is now made to be completely desexualized yes that's like the worst thing you could do to her so i think that's a really fun predicament for her i do too i actually wish they would kind of like get into that a little more yeah, uh, like maybe people treating her less sexual. Show don't tell. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe she's wearing a plunging neckline that. and people are like, my husband was gay too or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I would I would like to watch that materialize a little more. Yeah, because it's like she doesn't actually, she's not worried. I mean, obviously Smith isn't gay, but it, it's funny that the worst part about this is I do think people thinking you're a beard would be a bad feeling for sure. Yeah, I'd imagine. Because it, it's just like invalidating your whole relationship, I, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it maybe it sort of insinuates also that, like, I think you kind of are made to look like a fool a little bit. Like, yeah, like everyone gets it. But you and you're like, you know, remember their friend who was married to Nathan Lane? It's like they yeah. were kind of wondering if she was a beard. It's almost like being a beard is like being like some dumb airhead that doesn't realize what's going on or something like. Right. That is the implication. Like you're a fool. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how sort of much that friend seemed to love her life, though. Like, it's funny that she was thought of as a beard, but she was also like her and Nathan Lane apparently were having like killer sex. They were like she was pregnant. Like they loved each other. Like he was. Yeah, they were super into each other. That was one of the most progressive episodes of the whole show in terms of gender and sexuality, because the cool thing about that show is even now in 2021. I'm like, that's a really interesting show. He might be pansexual. Like maybe it yeah. wasn't what meets. It really like challenged our 
our notions of gender and sexuality of like, wait, but this guy was gay and he's in theater. There's no way. But it was like, oh, wait, but like maybe he really did fall in love with this woman. I thought that was like one of the most nuanced, like gray area Totally. Yes. Exploration. Even though they still approached it, you know, like it was an early 2000s episode where they're like, we just don't get it. But like for us watching it in 2021, we're like, oh, that's like a that's an interesting thing to explore. I have to say Is that. Yeah, I have a friend in, in her 20s and she's um, mm-hmm. in an open marriage and they live separately and mm-hmm. they date other people and she's exploring dating women. And it's like. There's a part of me that's like, God, the younger generation is just so progressive. <laughs> like, oh I'm only like probably eight or 10 years older. And it just sounds like another world to me. Wow. That's yeah. Amazing. And they're really that's happy. Separate. And they've been together for seven years and they have a great relationship and a great sex life. And it just sounds like something I've never really heard of before. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, OK, well, you want to take us back into it, Rose? Yes, ma'am. Carrie heads backstage to wish Charlotte luck, but there's a problem. Elizabeth Taylor is in heat. Charlotte pushes through, but it's all more stressful than she'd planned for. Elizabeth Taylor even starts bleeding while a judge examines her, but he still gives her and Charlotte the top prize. After the show, Samantha gets stopped. The guy handling the event's PR wants Smith's number, and Samantha's had enough. At her place later, Samantha and Smith get to work on clearing Samantha's name by making a sex tape. Smith isn't sure it's the best move, but Samantha needs it done. Afterwards, she sends the tape to the women from the nail salon to get the word out that she is very straight. And so is Smith. And that is that. I love that, like, leaking a sex tape is the solution to the problem. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) such a funny, funny idea. It's such a fun flip (laughs) on a sex tape leaking. A hundred percent. Sex tape is so funny. We got to get that you're straight out there. Yeah. I just love that, like, Samantha's just such a fun character that she comes up with these fun ideas, you know? Well, -hmm. it's also cool because she's in PR. So this is, like, actually a very smart approach to fixing the situation. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, Yeah, it's funny, like, the idea of this being, like, the standard PR move in this case, it's like, we gotta get a very horny sex tape out there. (laughs) Usually it's the publicist trying to cover the tracks of the sex tape and, like, reset the image of the person who was in it. But in this case, she's like, I have to get that out there. Yeah. Very funny. Charlotte and Harry head to the dog park with Elizabeth Taylor. Charlotte's extra protective after the big win, but Harry tells her to let Elizabeth play. Unfortunately, it doesn't go great. A bunch of dogs start humping away on her and Harry has got to step in. The core four catch up for their drinks with the Russian, but he doesn't show up. He calls Carrie to tell her he's tied up with work and he sends them a bottle of champagne to apologize. Carrie gets an idea. The four of them will polish off the bottle of champagne and head to Alexander's place to surprise him. But when they get there, they find out he really is busy. He doesn't even have time to say more than hello. Everyone breaks for the night and Carrie is really disappointed. Yeah, I think this really speaks to what you were talking about earlier, Jamie, about like her making concessions for him and him not really taking. Yeah, he doesn't do it. Yeah, the core four is basically her family and he basically like stood up her family. He was also rude. A hundred percent. Back in Brooklyn, Steve and Miranda hook up. She's over the moon for everything he's done to their new place, including getting the Internet working. She checks her gossip sites after he passes out. Unfortunately, she almost immediately comes across Smith and Samantha's sex tape, which is more than enough gossip for her. And the episode closes with Carrie confronting Alexander. Hey, I need to talk to you. 
Uh, I know that you're busy, but those were my... Is some... Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. Did something happen with the, um, the piece? Come on, talk to me. What if it's not enough, huh? All these pieces. Six years. It's going to be enough. What's... It's true, I don't know anything about the piece, but... You are brilliant. The world is waiting with breath that is baited. Oh, she's just an uptight bitch. Well, that's better. You're a little scary. So talk to me, what's the problem? I may not understand, but... But I'll listen. Well, mm, yesterday I looked up and the entire thing looked so utterly stupid and flat and meatless and childish. It's a cold, hard fact. Sometimes there's not enough time in a night for both your worlds. So the thing that I, I take issue with here is that I do feel like, and I, I don't feel this now, but I feel like in the past when I watched this episode, which I've obviously seen way too many times, I always felt like this was supposed to be viewed as a kind of sweet thing. Like, like I know now when we hear it, we're like, okay, but like, why can't he make time for her? Like he didn't even hear her side of that whole you know, the friend issue and oh, he didn't hear any of it. He just started talking about himself. And like, I do understand that, like, you know, not, ev- not everybody gets to, I under sorry, I'm not articulating it, articulating it right. But it's like, I do get the notion of sometimes there's not room for both of you. But I think in this case, it's a bummer that they kind of glorify that he is the one that is made room for. Mm-hmm. Did you guys feel that? Like with the music cues and everything, when she's like, sometimes there's just not enough room. Like, I feel like they want you to be like, yeah, so true. This one was about Alexander. When I listen to this, I'm just, it's just, I'm just getting like PTSD about dating artists. I mean, I just really think if you're dating an artist, you're, you're a groupie. Like there isn't room for both of you. And the truth is that, you know, his stuff will always come first. And it didn't even occur to him that he ditched out on meeting the most important people in her life. And she let go of it because it's like, oh, clearly he needs me. But that's just a relationship where it's like she's going to have to get all her satisfaction from being needed, but not getting much in return, I think. That's exactly right. I do. I guess. Yeah. Did you guys feel that, though? Like they wanted you to. Well, I think did you feel like they wanted us to hate Alexander in that moment, or you feel like they want us to be like, actually, I don't he's think it's a sensitive guy. I don't think it's hating him. I think it's understanding. Yeah, he wasn't just an asshole. He wasn't just like playing video games. He was working, but it's just, I don't think it's 
hating who's bad, who's good. I think it's just, this is the kind of person he is. Does that work for you? Are you, are you cool with that? I don't think, I think it takes a really, it's like Sunni Previn type to just be like, I'll just stand by my man and worship him. And like, uh, my role is to be like his supporter. Like that's a really dramatic example, but I just mean like, no, I know what you mean. I, I, I think it's just, this is the kind of guy you got. Are you cool with it? Can you handle it? Because that's what that is, you know? Yeah, I think it goes a little bit back to your, I think it was, um, well, it was both of your points earlier with with Carrie sort of pushing her own character down a little bit to be with Alexander. And I think that there's definitely a framing of this as like, this is Alexander's moment to 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 be frustrated. We should like focus on his problems. And I think that maybe the intention was to highlight him as like some sort of like thoughtful person going through something but there is that bummer quality of like and carrie's pushing down her feelings in order to accommodate that and that like does suck yeah i mean it's legit if you have a massive art show and like the whole world's watching it's totally legit to like bail on a thing and i think it's just a sign of what the relationship dynamic will be yes yeah yes agreed i don't know i feel like we're saying all this stuff but i don't feel like this episode is I don't feel like the resolution, uh, like what we're saying is really being captured. I feel like they're kind of excusing it. Just in the execution of the end of this episode, it yeah. felt a little. Yeah, she totally drops what she was, bo- yeah, was but, bothering. But there's her. not a self there's not a self-awareness about it. It's not like the whole show is sort of from Carrie's POV, but then the POV. Yeah, I mean, it still is from her point of view. But I guess us, the I guess we always are sort of along for the ride with her. And in this moment, I feel like I'm stepping outside of the car and I'm like, you're you actually are in the wrong. Like Carrie's, you know, monologue inner monologue that we always hear. Yeah, I think that this episode is like on Alexander's side. And now with like 20 years of distance from it originally airing, it it feels like a bummer that it's on its on. That's right. It's on his side and it bums me out a little. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I think I think this episode is more like a clue of things to come, sort of. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, well, this brings us to the question of the episode. They say that opposites attract, but they never say for how long. Should the relationship-savvy person stoke the fires of passion with the kindling of work and friends, or should we simply be satisfied with a romance that sizzles? I couldn't help but wonder, without sharing your worlds, can even the hottest relationship stop cold? I think the answer is yes, <laughs> it can. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> I think it's a pretty straightforward. Yeah, without yes, sharing your worlds, yeah. the hottest relationship will stop cold. Rose, I I don't know. I I I have mixed feelings because I think it depends. I I think it. De- I think that taken 
out of context, if you're just asking the question, I think it really depends on the relationship because you can have somebody, let's say there's a guy who's a brain surgeon and his wife stays at home and takes care of the kids. And maybe he doesn't really share. This is a very heteronormative fifties ish example, but, Mm -hmm. but say she's a brain surgeon and he stays home with the kids, whatever. It doesn't matter. Sure. But I do think that people can have a big part of their career that they don't share with their partner. And I think that's absolutely fine. As long as there's a lot that they do share together. And I also think it really depends on how much of some people work to live. Other people live to work. If if you come home and, you know, I, I just think it really depends. I think there's some couples like I know what you're saying. I think there's I some couples saying. who are like collaborative partners and they really like talk ideas out together. And then I think there's some people that are like, you know, she does her I thing. Think what, I do mine. Yeah, I, I think know. what you're saying. I think what you're saying is right. I mean, I think there is a level of autonomy depending on the couple. Well, yes, but also, you know, what when we're saying without sharing your worlds, I think that you have to share some stuff. Like it doesn't yeah. mean that you need to know the intricacies of that person's job or, you know, like the inside and out of every day what it's like at the office for them. Like you don't necessarily need that. You don't even need to necessarily know all their coworkers, but I do think that like you should care about each other's. You should care about the people that mean something to the other person. Absolutely. Without a doubt. How how can you not like on the very like base level, find time for the stuff that matters that your partner does want to share? Well, what is the question exactly? Without sharing your worlds, can even the hottest relationship stop? I think it depends on how important it is to that person. For example, in this case, you have to share the worlds because these people are extremely important and Carrie wants it to be integrated. For example, yes. my grandma has a Mahjong group that she meets with like once or twice a week. She doesn't give a sure. fuck if my grandpa's there. It's her thing. She doesn't care. So I think it only matters if the per- if it matters to the person, you know, like yes. like um, my sister goes and watches my brother-in-law surf. And I think it means a lot to him. So she does it. Mm-hmm. And I think she likes doing it. So it's like. If something means a lot to your partner and it's no skin off your back. Yeah, of course. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alexander bums me out. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Final segment. I'm horny for sex in the city is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Um, I have to find it. So you tell me first so I can tell me what you're horny for first and I'll share mine second. Okay. Um, let me think what I'm horny for. Oh, I'm horny for Dinosaur Jr., the band. I really started like doing a deep dive on them and they kind of Dinosaur don't have Jr. a bad song. It's kind of crazy, right? I don't know like, their don't music have, at all. They're amazing. They don't they, have a single song. If you like that sound, like just sort of like classic, like grungy indie, um, th- there is literally not one song where I'm like next. Like it's all, I mean, they all sort of sound the same, which is part of it, but not, but they're differentiated enough to where you're like, oh, this guy is like a really impressive catalog. So I don't know their music. So if you like what band would you maybe like Dinosaur Jr.? Like if you like this, you'll like that. Yeah. Great call. Maybe like Built to Spill or 90s rock. But like, yeah, like, but but Galaxy 500 or I don't know. Or like Yola Tango. Yeah, I think if you like I think if you like Yola Tango, you would like them. But I don't think they sound like Yola Tango. Yeah, they're very they're. They're rocky, but they are very like it's. But that- his voice is very like sweet and tired and. Oh, I'm gonna listen to it. Yeah, they rule. Yeah. Jay Mascus, the guitarist, is incredible. He's Such unbelievable, cool- yeah. and you probably do know one of their songs. Feel the pain was like really popular. What's the famous the one? Feel the pain. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I'll listen to it after it. this. Um, I'm hoarding for this really interesting article that I read uh, in New York Magazine on Vulture. I subscribe digitally to New York Magazine because I think their writing is so good and their features are so it good. Is. And uh, there's this article that's uh, came out yesterday, March 3rd. It said the receipt keeper of YouTube, D'Angelo Wallace, is the foremost chronicler of online celebrity. And now he is achieving fame in his own right. And he's this young 19 year old black kid, super cute. And he literally makes these hour long deep dive videos, like kind of exposing and outing like shitty Instagram stars. And like he makes like almost like pseudo documentaries, like showing them like having parties and not wearing masks and like, you know, pointing out racism and privilege. And he's almost like a daily show for like teenagers. Um, And I just, you know, I find like Gen Z culture so interesting and. It's just interesting to see like what Gen Z's form of entertainment and news is and how like there's an entire world and culture of celebrity that is on YouTube and people watch his show like a like a movie. Like he has millions and millions of followers and um, he's just like this interesting little nerd in his bedroom, like like who's like a kind of Harriet the spy about like Instagram culture and YouTube culture. It's just all very fascinating to me. Really cool. Okay, I'm going to read that. It's really fascinating. It's Sorry, just, what was it called again? It's well, just look up D'Angelo Wallace and Vulture. Okay, I will. It's just will. a fascinating gonna... interview. It's just like, it's just like, as you get older, you realize like there's like all these worlds that are going on, like mm-hmm. the teen world, like they literally call it. I mean, even the lingo, they call it the drama community. He mm. he's like in the drama community. Which is like people that literally just—it's almost like e-entertainment for teens. Like, wow, yeah, okay. it's just yeah. interesting, really interesting. Yeah, okay. like these love that. these celebs that have millions of followers, and we don't even know who they are because they're not on TV shows; they're just on YouTube. You know? Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, YouTube is television for teenagers, and so yeah. for them, YouTube stars are like the Luke Perry and Shannon Doherty of our teens. You know? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read that. That sounds great. It's interesting. And I also started reading Milk Fed. I just started it. It's so good. Isn't it already great? I love it. It's so easy. It's just like, I'm just like digesting it. I love it. It's like a more cynical, sarcastic Bridget Jones or something. Yeah, I love it. I really do. I'm only on page like seven. Oh, you'll love like, it. I can't Ooh. wait. It's also so sexy. Excited. Like, you'll get horny, Ooh, I think. The sex hey. scenes are hot. <laughs> okay, great. Love that. Good thing to look forward to. Yes. Um, Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening and we love you and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.